Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we began our review of the testimony of Michelle Shelley Smith, the caretaker of the defendant's mother. In this installment, we continue our analysis of Ms. Smith's testimony. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is the late morning of February 6th, 2023, day 9 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, Prosecutor John Metters was questioning Michelle Shelley Smith, the caregiver to the defendant's mother, Libby Murdoch. Under Metters' questioning, Ms. Smith confirmed an instance after the death of Alex Murdoch's father, Randolph, when she witnessed the defendant bringing a blue tarp-like object into his mother's house and storing it somewhere on the second story of the building. As we begin today, Metters continues his direct examination of Ms. Smith by asking her when she next saw the defendant. Did you see him after that? Yes. Tell them where, please. He came that back. Morning. He came back to the house. How do you know that? Because the blind was open. I seen him came through the driveway. What did you see him? Was he walking? Was he driving? When you saw him in the driveway, he was driving the truck. And, and I'm sorry, Miss Smith. I'm not, what truck was he driving? The white truck. Whose white truck was that? I'm thinking of Mr. Moreno. I thought it was his truck. He had the white truck also. He had a white truck also. Mm-hmm. So when you saw him, you testified, Mr. Murdoch coming back in a white truck. Whose truck did you think it was? I thought it was Mr. Randolph's truck. And were there four-wheelers or ATVs out on that property? Yes. Okay. What, if anything, did you observe about a four-wheeler that morning? It was at the house. Where had it been previously? At the smokehouse. When did it get moved? The same morning. Same morning when Mr. Murdoch was there? Yes. And um, in what direction did you see Mr. Murdoch leave when you saw him leave the house and you thought he was gone? Mm-hmm. Do you know where he went? No. And when he came back in this white truck, what did he do? He got in the other truck. How long was he gone? Probably about 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Thank you. And then you say this other truck. What truck are you talking about? It's a black truck. Had you not seen that before? No. Why not? The full truck, the, the catering thing was still out there in the way, so I couldn't see it. So that blocked your view? It's blocked my view, yes. So what vehicle did Mr. Murnau leave after he came back in the white truck? What color truck? It was a black truck. Black you know who that was? No. That morning... This morning when you first saw him at 6.30, did you observe anything about his face? Any on his face? Yeah, they got a little color, a little bruise cut or something. And, it, it, ma'am, I apologize. A little what cut? Like a, like a little bruise or something. Where was it? It's like above his forehead. Okay. I won't ask you to touch me, but can you touch yourself to show where? Right here. Something right here. Did it look fresh? This looked like a cut. No. I wouldn't say fresh, but it's a was there a video system in, in, um, in the house for either uh, Sister Murdoch or Miss Libby Murdoch? Yes. 
Can you tell them about that? Where was that? What was that? It was in the Miss Miss uh, Libby's bedroom. And how was that activated or operated? Is that a Sino? No. But was it on all the time or not? Yes. And what color would it be if it was on? Was there a marker that or uh, red and black or red and green? Mm -hmm. No suppers, yes. And would there be times when that wasn't on? Yes. And do you know who controlled this? No. Prosecutor Metters shows a document to Ms. Smith before displaying it on the monitor and asking the witness to step down from the stand to describe it for the jury. I'm going to show you what's marked 410. Do you recognize this? And does it relate to what we're talking about this morning as far as your location? Yes. Do you mind coming down here? If you would stand up there so just we don't block the jurors, please, so Mr. Frickin can see. Is this a picture of what we refer to as Almeda? Yes. Okay. And can you show where the, I guess I've called the main house, and I'm sorry we don't have a pointer. That's the main house. Mm -hmm. And you have to say yes for the record? Yes. Is that where you took care of Miss Libby? Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this. What other buildings are on the The smokehouse and a, um, a barn, another okay. little shed. And where were the ATVs usually? At the smokehouse. Where's the smokehouse? That's the, that's the smoke out. And that's where the ATV was. Yes. And where did the ATV end up when you saw it after you thought Mr. Murdoch left? And it moved? At the main house. Say that again, please. At the main house. When you saw him coming back, you thought he left. Where did you see him in the white truck? Do you remember? He left him across the railroad track. John Metters invites Ms. Smith to return to the stand and briefly convenes with the other prosecuting attorneys before asking his next question. Now, have you... Uh, with either Mr. Griffin or Mr. Harpooling or one of their investigators? Yes. Yeah, when was that? Let's you remember. I'm not looking for a date and time, but you know how long we got? It was last year. And I met with you a couple of weeks ago? Yes. And just a little while ago this morning? Yes. And I have to ask you for the record, uh, this Alex Murdahl who came and saw you the night of the murders with the shorts and the shirt and the sperry type bluffers on, is that him over there? Yes, sir. And is he also the person that you said told you he'd been there 30 or 40 minutes? Yes. And you see also the person you saw in the house that night with some kind of blue vinyl that you said consistent with this picture we put in. Mm -hmm. Is that him? Yes. Thank you. With that, Prosecutor John Metters concludes his direct examination of Ms. Smith. Defense Attorney Jim Griffin rises to begin his cross-examination of the witness. Good afternoon, Ms. Smith. Good afternoon. We have met once or twice. The, um, did anyone ever show you a blue rain jacket? Yes. Now, some of our investigators show you, shows you a picture of a blue range action. Yeah, a picture right? of a blue, yes. But has anyone at SLED or the Attorney General's office ever shown you a blue range action? No. Now, you saw Mr. Alec Murdoch bring a tarp in, you said, right? Yes. Jim Griffin opens a plastic bag containing a blue tarp. And I'm going to show you a tarp, which we marked for identification purposes. This is your honor, exhibit 86. Is this the type of tarp that Mr. Murdoch came in to the Alameda house on the day that you were talking about? Yes. Tarp like this that would maybe cover up a car. Is that right? Yes. Any way to confuse this with a rain jacket? No. He was not carrying a rain jacket, was he? No, it was balled up. I don't know it. And you said it was balled up, and it was balled in such a manner it did not look like there was a shovel handle, a gun, or anything. It's just balled up. Is that right? Correct. Have I balled it up sort of correctly? Yes. All right. Now, when Alec left that day, this was laid out on Ms. Libby's retirement rocking chair, wasn't it? Yes. And when you left for, 
end of your shift that day, that's where it was, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And you've never seen it since, correct? Correct. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Defense attorney Jim Griffin retrieves a photo and displays it on the monitor for Shelly Smith. Now they showed you a picture which is in evidence. Do you even know where that picture was taken in the house? No. In the closet. Do we, do we have that picture? Can you see that, Ms. Smith? Yes. Do you know where that is, and, or even if it is in Ms. Libby's house? I can see because I don't go in the, I don't in the closets. So, so you don't even recognize the closet, is that right? Correct. And have you ever even been upstairs in Ms. Libby's house? Twice. Two times over how many years? Three years. Two times in three years. And do you know where Alec Murdoch went when he went upstairs on the day that he brought a blue tarp in the house? No. Now, you mentioned that, that this day that he came over was about three days after Mr. Randolph Murdoch's funeral. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And it was early in the morning? Yes. So, and, and do you remember that Mr. Randolph's funeral being on a Sunday? Yes. So then it would be Monday, Tuesday... Wednesday of that week, is that right? Yes. And is that the morning that you, you said that you thought you saw a bruise on his forehead? Yes. So it was Wednesday after Mr. Randolph's funeral? I'm thinking, I can't, I can't remember so long, I can't remember. Yes, ma'am. And, and you mentioned that, that he came in a truck, I think you said he, he drove up in a white truck. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. And, and he does have a white truck, yes. as far as you know, right? Yeah. Yes. And then you said he left in a white truck. And are you sure that it was Mr. Randolph's truck or Mr. Alex's truck that he left in? Because it was moved. Mr. Randolph had always keep his truck in a certain position, certain part. So you think he left in Mr. Randolph's truck and moved? Yes. Okay. And when you left that, that morning, I guess Wednesday we're talking about, the, um, was Mr. Randolph's truck back in the driveway? Yes. Parked in its normal place? Yes. Anything out of sort? No. Was it all covered up with mud, like someone's been mudding in it? No. Anything unusual about the truck? No. Now, you mentioned there was a four-wheeler that had been moved at some point in time. Uh, that four-wheeler had a flat tire, didn't it? Yes, it did. Okay, was it a front tire, back tire? I think it was a back tire. And it was moved up close to the house? Yes. As far as you know, so the tire could be repaired? Yes, it was moved from the smoke house to the red house, yes. With a flat tire? Yes, with a flat tire. Defense attorney Griffin next asks Ms. Smith about the conversation she had with Alex Murdoch on the day of his father's funeral. Now, you asked questions um, about the, the day of Mr. Randolph's funeral, and you had a conversation with Alec, and he's talking to you about how long he was over at the house um, on the night of June the 7th, right? Yes. And he said he was there 30 to 40 minutes. Yes. And you said, no, I don't think it was that long. Yes. And then the, the next day, I think you said, or day after, well, the following day, or I guess other than Monday, you had another conversation with him where you just brought up the fact that you were going to get married. I think you said that was a different day, right? Yes. And 
and he was just being nice, wasn't he? Yes. I think you used the word good person. A good person, yes. Who were you referring to when you testified in response to the question by Mr. Meadows that someone's a good person? Mr. Alex Meadows. He came over on the night of June the 7th, and you said it was somewhere between 8.30 and, and 9.30 in the evening? Yes. That's just your best estimate of when he got there, is that yes. right? Yes. And I think you testified that he was there, in your estimation, 15 to 20 minutes? Yes. Now, when you said 15 to 20 minutes, are you talking about 15 to 20 minutes in the room with Ms. Libby or on the property the whole time? On the property the whole time. Thank you. Okay. Well, now, you said it took you about five minutes to, um, to let him in. Is that right? Yes. Are you including the five minutes it took you to let him in in your 15 to 20, or could he have been on the property 25 minutes? 20 minutes. Only five minutes. No. The whole time, so. And, and you would agree that Alec Murdoch would visit his parents frequently, right? Yes. And he would always come over more so than any other sibling. Is that right? Yes. And was it out of, out of the ordinary for him to come at night? Yes, on my shift, yes. Well, do you recall being interviewed, a telephone interview on June 17, 2021, with um, Agent Joe Albiado? you remember that? Yes. And do you remember telling him that it was not at out of the ordinary for Alan to come at night. Yes, it's been a long time. I couldn't remember. It's so it's been a year now, so I can't really remember. I mean, is it possible that you told him that? Yes. And and here today, you you said, as I have in my notes, that when he came over, that that he was acting kind of fidgety yet normal. I believe that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Is his normal behavior kind of fidgety? Yes. He's just kind of a fidgety person, right? Yes. So it wasn't the first time you'd seen him being kind of fidgety, right? Well, he always come different times, so I can't, you know. His demeanor was normal for Alec the night that he came over on June the 7th, wasn't it? I'll say yes. Okay. Now, you mentioned the clothes that he was wearing, and, and he came in and he sat on his mom's bed. Yes. Lay down lay, next to her. Lay, lay, mm-hmm. And held her hand. Is he that walked, right? in, walked in and hold her hand and spoke to her, then went on the bed and lay down. And lay down. Mm-hmm. Not lay down, but sit up. And, and when he got up off off the bed was the bed soiled in any way was it wet i can't recall that i didn't touch it no what did alec have alec murdoch have blood on his clothes no he had blood on his shoes no he had blood on his hair no he leave blood on in his mom's bedroom no according to the records that, that we've been providing in this case you you were interviewed um by sled on june 16th do you remember yes. that interview yes and, and I think in that interview, you told Sled that, that he, had, he would, had been there 30 to 35 minutes. Do you remember telling him that? I think it's, yeah. And then you were interviewed again uh, by telephone on June 17th. Do you remember that follow-up call? Do you remember having a short phone call on the 17th? A phone call. Okay. Whether it's one interview or two interviews, you never told anybody at Sled in June in these interviews, one or two, anything about Alec coming in with a blue tarp. Is that right? Right. You didn't say anything about a blue tarp until sometime in September, is that right? Yes. And you initially mentioned something about Alec coming over with a tarp. The first time you mentioned it was to Officer Joseph Dingle of the Allendale Police Department when he was working a wreck. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Is that yes? Yes. Okay. And and you had been in the automobile accident, and Officer Dingle was working the wreck and, I guess, filling out an incident report, and you were having a conversation with him. Yes. And in that conversation with Officer Dingle, didn't you tell him that, didn't you tell Officer Dingle that on the night of the murders that Alec came over with a 
blue tarp that looked like it had a gun in it? No, I saw him like he was holding, like he was holding something. So you, you didn't say? I didn't say Pacific was a gun. I said he was holding something. Jim Griffin reviews a document for a moment before he continues his questioning. So you didn't tell Officer Dingle that it, that he came over and you couldn't tell, but stated it looked like a rifle. No, I said it was like he was holding something. I did not say it was a rifle. And if Officer Dingle wrote a report up saying that he was just incorrect. Yes. And then after you had this conversation with Officer Dingle, uh, then you were contacted by sled agents, right? Mm-hmm. And they asked you to go down to um, their offices, and that's where you were interviewed uh, in September, right? Yes. And in that interview, you told them about a blue tarp. Mm-hmm. And you'd put over your car just like this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Jim Griffin picks up the tarp from the floor and holds it as he asks his next series of questions. And you didn't tell them because it's not true that, that there was anything wrapped up here in here to look like a rifle. Right. Okay. And since that day of the interview at the Low Country Sled Office, have you had any additional interviews with sled agents other than getting ready for trial this week, last week? Yes. How many additional interviews? Two. Two or three. And in each of those interviews, did you reiterate the sled that it was a blue tarp and not a rain jacket that you saw Alec Murdoch walking into the house with? Yes. Is there any doubt in your mind it was a blue tarp like this and not a rain jacket? And it was balled up with a blue tarp. So you saw it laying on Ms. Libby's retirement rocking chair, right? Yes, yes. Jim Griffin consults with the defense team before resuming his questioning. Just one more point. When Alec Murdoch came over on that early morning, I guess it was Wednesday, where you, you testified. Were you in Ms. Libby's room? Yes. You can't see the comings and goings out of the driveway from Ms. Libby's bedroom, can you? Mm-hmm. You can? No. Thank you, That's all the questions With that, Jim Griffin concludes his cross-examination of Ms. Smith. John Metters then rises for his redirect of the witness. You remember testifying in front of the grand jury on January 20th of 2022 on page 25, line 17, when you were asked about how long do you think he stayed in total. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember your answer being 20, 10, 15, 20 minutes? Yes. Mr. Griffin asked you about the 30 to 40 minutes. Why'd you call your brother after that? Because he's a, he's a chief, assistant chief police at Ronville, so I called him. Had that statement by Alex Murdahl affected you? Yes. How? I was nervous. And he, Mr. Griffin asked you about the evenings, visits, and the morning visits. Had he ever been there at 6.30 in the morning like he was that morning? Ever? No. And his 9, 9.30 visit the night of the murders, that was very unusual for him to be at night, wasn't it? Jim Griffin objects to Mr. Matters leading Ms. Smith with his questions. Matters rephrases the query. Was that unusual? Yes. Now, so so you, you told an officer, did you tell an officer about this? You saw something that he thought he was carrying? Yes. Before you told anybody else? Yes. And, and what was that about, a traffic accident? I had a, someone hit my car, and he was on, on duty. And when was that? September 11th. That's my birthday. You had an accident, mm-hmm. and you told the officer that you had seen him, Alex Murdoch, come and holding something? He was talking, he was having a conversation, and that came up. And you just told him that? Mm-hmm. He was talking. Had anybody asked you that before? Mm-hmm. Did you have to say yes or no? Yes. Had anybody no. asked no. you that before? No. Okay. So why did you tell the officer that on September 11th? He was, we were having a conversation and just talking in general. And he asked me a question 
And I said, yes, I've been there. And I said, I work with the Murdochs, you know, they, his mother. In response to him, you told him you saw Alex Murdoch with what? A, 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 a lining, a blue tart. And you saying tart or tart? Tart. Like they cover a car with a tart. And you said you saw him with that and did it appear he was carrying something? Like he was holding something. It was, it was bundled up. I can't say it was bundled up. John Metters picks up the tarp as he continues his questioning. Bundled up? Yes. Like this? Yes. So you never saw this unfolded? No, I never saw this. Never? So the next morning, that was on the chair in the biggest room. And you don't know where this tarp came from, do you? No, I don't know where it came from. It didn't have silver on one side, did it? No. It was all blue? All blue. And you said that the defense took a statement from you? Yes. Did they report it? Yes. Y'all under Rule 613, I'd like a copy of that statement or the recording at this time. If they have it, she's now taking the stand. Jim Griffin rises to respond to Mr. Metter's motion that Ms. Smith's statement to the police be placed on the record and in evidence. Your Honor, under Rule 5, it is not subject to being produced. And we didn't question her about the statement, so. Rule 5 is pretrial. No, no, 613, once the witness has taken the stand and she said that they took the statement from her, either reported or written, we don't have it, hadn't been provided. He asked her about that specifically, dealing with the uh, blue tarp, and when they discussed it with him, I'd like a copy of it. I don't mind him having it, Your Honor. We don't have a copy with us. It says, upon request, the same shall be shown or disclosed to opposing counsel pursuant to Rule 611A, so the defense must provide it to counsel. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have you go to the jury room. Please not discuss the case. And with Judge Clifton Newman excusing the jury while the attorneys argue over the admissibility of Ms. Smith's statement to police about Mr. Murdoch's possession of the blue tarp, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we conclude our review of the testimony of Michelle Smith and begin our examination of the testimony of SLED crime scene investigator Kristen Moore. Also check out the Crime Story podcast Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.